Welcome to the Sunspots Comics Podcast, issue 185, where we recommend and lovingly review the best of the new comic books that just came out. New Comic Book Day, Wednesday, November 28th. And this particular podcast, we'll start out with a joke from my web-swinging pal, Spidey. Spider-Man! What's up? Tell me a joke! How much is 12 units of mass? How much is 12 units of mass? I don't know. Doesn't matter... <laughs> oh, science. You are as witty as you are sciency. <laughs> wow. <laughs> wow, that's great. I am joined again here by my co-host, Ian Yarrington. How's it going, Ian? Hey, everybody. Doing good. <laughs> wow, he's still talking over there. I am your friendly neighborhood host, Chris Latori. <laughs> we hope that you and yours are doing well. Right, Ian? <laughs> Yeah, thanks for swinging by. <laughs> yes. Please hit the subscribe button to the Sunspots Comics Podcast. Check out all of our past podcasts on our giant podcast feed. And follow us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, Xbox Live, and YouTube at Sunspots Comics. And don't forget to follow Ian. Go for it, Ian. Um, Ian D. Yarrington at uh, Twitter and yes. uh, Instagram, actually. Yes, and also over at Comic Booked with the E-D, right? Comic yeah, booked. Comic Booked. Like, you got booked. Right. Deal with it. You got booked. Yep. <laughs> and so let's start off the show with some humble thank yous. Most importantly, thank you to you, the listener. Thank you so much for listening to the Sunspots Comics Podcast. Whether this is your first time trying us out or you're a Sunspots Comics loyalist, seriously, thank you for choosing the Sunspots Comics Podcast. Right, Ian? Absolutely. You guys are the best. The best. Thank you also to my friend Nick Papa George for singing our sweet sunspots comics theme song please check out his solo singing stuff on pop d's facebook.com slash pop d's and his band solution at facebook.com slash solution reggae if you love reggae and rock and guitar based feel good music with a little island sprinkling you're gonna love the sounds of my friend nick papa George and solution thank you nick yeah you dug them right you checked them out yeah, seen uh, seen their Facebook page a couple times, and uh, like you said, that island feel—they definitely got that island feel to me. Yes, they do, and he's got the the magical golden pipes, my friend Nick. But thank you, Nick, and also thank you to our sponsor, Pop Up Tea. Check out their super giant selection of nerdy T-shirts at popuptea.com. They've got it all and then some. Don't forget to use the promotional code Sunspots Comics, and you'll get 25% off of any shirt order, even the clearance stuff. So go check out popuptea.com. And now let's bust a kneecap <laughs> as we make a giant superhero landing into the Sunspots Comics podcast. Issue number 185, starting out with some stuff that's been floating around inside of our nerdy brains. The first nugget of nerd lodged ever so deeply in our nerdy frontal lobes is my review of the Sunspot, or the, uh, the Spider-Man toy from Sphero. Yes, I love all things Sphero, like the app-controlled BB-8 that I have. I even wrote this blog piece on my on their just amazing customer service at Sphero and I have it on my website sunspotscomics.com check it out but the Spider-Man toy from Sphero I just love everything about it this is just a quick little review 
Um, did you get a chance to check it out on their site, Ian? Yeah, I've been looking at it online. It looks pretty cool. What were your initial thoughts on this little Spider-Man plasticky toy? Oh, the first thing I thought was the, it's a cute little guy. <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah. He tells jokes. He does all kinds of weird stuff. And I can even, I'm just one of those people that even can respect like a, like simplicity to the packaging and design and that it's easy to open and that the just the paper quality and box quality is beautiful. It just feels like you're getting something significant. Uh, and they don't even waste a bunch of paper with like a huge instruction manual. There's just like on the cardboard packaging, there's just a, a diagram that tells you plug it in and turn it on. It's just very simple. I would even give it maybe a, a little smidge of a minor uh, nudge there because the, the Spider-Man toy from Spiro does so much that I actually had to go online and see all the verbal refer- like phrases that it responds to. There's that many. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. And there is a ton, and its eyes, they emote, and they light up, and they blink, and they wink, and it, I love it especially when it like reacts to very goofy commands like dance. It's actually on right now, so if I say it loud enough, it'll probably start dancing. Um, but it's, <laughs> it's built in with a ton of jokes and like stories, and uh, the app is just very well keyed in to all the functionality of the Spider-Man Sphero toy. It even, even tell you like the time and the weather. It's kind of on that, uh, kind of that, that it, it's like one of those, what is it, the, um, on Amazon, the, the puck that oh, the, tells the echo, you, right? Yeah, the echo. It has a little bit of that feel to it. Um, the, maybe other little tiner, tiny little minor smidge thing is the regular price is like 150 bucks for it, but there's major deals going on right now. I actually got mine for Black Friday for 40 bucks, and it is currently on sale, while supplies last, of course, on Sphero.com for 50 bucks and on Amazon for 80 but the voice of Sphero Spidey, I had to look it up because it really sounded familiar. And the voice actor that does the voice of the Sphero Spidey is a guy named Andrew Bates. And he does a perfect job of capturing the high school version of Peter Parker Spider-Man. But he played Spider-Man in this 2011 fan film called The Death of Spider-Man Motion Comic. You can check it out on YouTube. Have you seen that, Ian? It was came out years ago. It was 2011. And it was the ultimate Spider-Man comic where, spoiler alert, Peter Parker dies. Oh, you know what? I, I have seen that, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it got like... It's been a while, yeah. It got a gazillion hits, and it was a big deal at the time. But um, it was great, and that's cool that Andrew Bates plays the voice actor in the Sphero Spider-Man along with that Death of Motion comic. So check it out on uh, YouTube. Just put in Death of Spider-Man. Um, but overall, I gave it a 4.5 out of 5 sunspots. I love it. Um, if they actually add more content to the app and the whole Sphero Spidey experience, I think I'll give it that extra 0.50 for like a perfect 5 out of 5 sunspots. Um, I really, fingers crossed, I hope that they kind of expand upon it. But it's a, it's a perfect Christmas gift for the Spider-Man fan and the nerdy person in your life. So check it out, the Sphero Spider-Man. I give it 4.5 out of 5. It's fantastic. What do you think? Did Ian, did I talk you into it? You think you might have to look into it? <laughs> I don't know. Those jokes, man. Any uh, any device that plays dad jokes that good, you you got to you got to give it a look. Yes, totally worth giving it a look. Great for Christmas. I would definitely recommend it. And another thing that's lur- lodged up inside of her nerdy brains, really good, is the new Star Wars Galaxy of Adventures animated shorts. They are available on the Star Wars Kids YouTube page. What were your initial thoughts of it, Ian, when you checked them out? There's only six short episodes. What did you think of them? Uh, I've only watched a couple so far, but the the first one I watched, I, I felt gave me the um, you know the most the most feels was when Luke was uh, fighting the Wampa. 
Yes. And like just really good action scene, man. I was really surprised. I was like, these these shorts are really good. The animation is just top notch. Yeah, I was like seriously pleasantly surprised. I, I was going to kind of write it off when I first heard that it was coming. I'm like, well, they're little shorts. Uh, there's only six of them for now in the first wave. They're only like a minute or so each. But you're right. I love the super fast animation style. There's a little bit of anime in there, right? Yeah, definitely. It's more, <clears throat> it's kind of a cross between an anime and what they were doing with Rebels. Yeah. It kind of looks like Rebels, but like uh, just a little bit better in my opinion. Yeah, and it's 2D animation style. It's not the, you know, totally CG blockiness of that. It's it's very fluid, right? It has this wonderful... Yeah. And I love that all the voices uh, from the actual actors from the original Star Wars movies were used. Oh, see, I didn't know that. That yeah. is really cool. They just cut scenes and use their voices in various scenes. And uh, and then they sort of play around with Star Wars canon in a way, right? They, they, they kind of show moments that we don't actually see on screen in the original Star Wars films, like when R2 is crossing this uh, laser fight-filled hallway. You notice that he does kind of a dance to avoid some of the blaster shots? Yeah, yeah. And then in the Wampa scene, you know, that that's such a quick scene in the film, we don't really get to see that much. Uh, and they've added a little bit there, right, into that Wampa scene. Yeah, kind of, uh, yeah, it kind of expands on what's already there. And Yeah, so yeah. they kind of lovingly play in the canon of it and, and kind of expand little moments. And I love that. And then sprinkled in with the actual actors' voices from the original Star Wars movie. I just, I was blown away. Yeah, you know, the thing about Disney is they really uh, tap into the younger kids, and uh, kids younger and younger are getting into YouTube. So they really are smart with the way that they've approached these and putting them on YouTube. Yeah, and at the same time, the Darth Vader sequence, because this is on YouTube, again, it's on the Star Wars Kids page, that particular uh, <laughs> Galaxy of Adventures short was was dark and a little bit scary and not something I would maybe want a little kid to watch because it's the the Rogue One scene where Darth Vader just goes in and slices and dices. Remember? <laughs> yeah, that's a, yeah a little creepy maybe, but uh, I mean depending on what age, you got to assume that any kid uh, that's getting on YouTube by himself is probably somewhere around ten or more. Yeah, you'd think, right? Yes. But then again, I have a, a buddy who's got like a four-year-old that can navigate a computer better than me, so who knows? <laughs> right. Well, it is on Star Wars Kids on the YouTube page, and I really enjoyed it. They're only about a minute each, and it just is, it's a professional, well-done package. The 2D animation style is fast and flows and has just a – they just kind of squeeze the anime lemon onto it. It's just it, – it's really super well done and will get – the juices flowing, right, and get you to just want to watch some Star Wars right away, right? That's what it did for me. Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. It made me, it made me nostalgic for the originals when I saw the Wampa scene. Yeah, it made me long for them. So go check it out. Go to YouTube. Go to Star Wars Kids and watch them. I'll share them, of course, on everything at Sunspots Comics very soon. And uh, any other nerd things floating around in your brain, Ian? I got one last uh, one. Uh, I don't think not for me. All right. Well, the last thing floating around inside of my nerd brain is that I'm actually creating my very own comic book called Zombie Destroyers. Man, it's been so much fun. It's a dream come true, really, to just make a comic book my way. And I created Zombie Destroyers. I'm writing it, and I'm doing the lettering. Please follow the Zombie Destroyers team. There's artist Juan Mora at Young Minded Giant, Jordan Hudson at Skablad, and colorist Caroline Nolasco at Carol N. Art. Please follow them all. Uh, thank you to all of the Zombie Destroyers team for just making my helping make my dream of making a comic book become a reality. I really appreciate it. 
And to see what my comic book Zombie Destroyers looks like, just go to sunspotscomics.com and click on Zombie Destroyers. There are three colored sample pages there for you to put your eyeballs on. So now let me mention also our segment called Spotlighting. It's a segment on the Sunspots Comics podcast where I get to have some great conversations with some comic book creators. Have you had a chance to check out any of those, Ian, on the, uh, on the feed? Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> I went and looked at the comic book, uh, Aja. Oh, yes. What did you with um, the Nandini. creator, Nandini Bapat, that I interviewed? Yeah. Uh, wow. That was, <laughs> I mean, it was an incredibly heartwarming read. And the cool thing about it was, is I read it twice. I actually read it all the way through once. Aww. And then I went back and read, like, the ending part where she writes about her. Yes, bit. his life. And then, yeah, and then I read the comic over again. And it was like, it was totally like a whole new read. It was like reading it for, you know, the first time with your your eyes open. You know, it was it yes. was good. Yeah, because there is no dialogue in the first part of it. It's just told to the whole story, just told through the eyes, the emotives, and her also kind of um, anime-ish style or like, what's that, Steven in the Universe, something like that? That kind of style, puffy, cartoony style is what it reminds yeah, me of? Kinda, yeah, like a, I guess I would call it cartoonish style, yeah. yeah. But, yeah, you do have to read that that matter at the end there, and it really does tie it together well. But check out uh, Sunspots Comics issue 159. That's where I interview the comic book creator named Nandini Bapat. She created that comic called Aja. It's spelled A-J-A. Check it out. It's online everywhere, Comixology. She sells it directly on her website. Look up Nandini Bapat. And also check out this interview I'm very pr- proud of. It's uh, my interview with movie director and comic book artist Troy Nixie. He is a artist that I love that did a comic book through Dark Horse called Vinegar Teeth that both Ian and I read. What do you, what can you say about Vinegar Teeth, Ian? <laughs> One of the strangest, but like just so like so strange, but so like satisfying. Yes. And uh, the art was just incredible. It was like a. I got this feel like it was like a 1930s or 40s type. Uh, Yes. You know, the guys with the nice the nice uh fedora type hats and Yes. You know, nice suits and stuff and then there's this vinegar teeth guy. Yeah, it was just it was a really interesting comic. When I talked to him in that interview with Troy Nixie, he he did mention too that he started he in each comic it's subtle, but he makes the hats bigger and bigger and bigger. And by the last issue, the hats are kind of ridiculously sized, if you look. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, why did you do that? He's like, I don't know. I just wanted to do it. But uh, we talk about that. We talk about his comic book. Um, and Troy Nixie also directed a movie uh, called Don't Be Afraid of the Dark. It was written by Guillermo del Toro, Mr. Oscar winner himself. And I really enjoyed this horror movie, which I don't say that very often. So check that out and more. And me talking to Troy Nixie on our Sunspots Comics spotlighting feed so there's a bunch more coming and a bunch of spotlighting interviews there with some great guests on our podcast feed thank you all for being here uh so if you work in comics or you're trying to break into the comic book industry like myself let's have a chat right here send me a message and maybe a review copy of your comic book to my email chris at sunspotscomics.com or message us at sunspotscomics so now you ready ian i'm ready to go let's jump into the main course the centerpiece the epicenter the, of the Sunspots Comics Podcast, which is where we give you our comic book recommendations and we share with you our favorite picks of the brand new comic books that just came out, New Comic Book Day, Wednesday, November 28th. And of course, just in case, super duper light, semi-spoiler-ish alert, ring the bell. 
<laughs> but don't worry, right, Ian? We don't really spoil these comics. We yeah, just like... I, do, I do my best not to spoil it for folks, you know? Right, don't really worry about it. We don't even discuss what happens on the last few pages, and we only just pick some of the interesting points that's in a comic book because we want you to go buy them, we want you to go read them and enjoy them, so we definitely just really don't spoil them. But just in case, super-duper light, semi-spoiler-ish alert. But before we get into the top comics, let's now announce this week's artist winner and cover artist winner of the week. Every week, we pick what we believe to be the best comic book art of the brand new comic books that just came out. So put your eyeballs on these now. You'll be super happy that you did, especially for this week's winner, right, Ian? My goodness, that I'm about to announce. Yeah, I'm like, I'm giddy about getting ready to talk about this, yeah. Totally, nerd chills. Uh, and, and this week, we actually picked the exact same artist for both the cover and the artist winner of the week. It's one and the same uh, artist and creator that won both categories, and it's Sumit Kumar for These Savage Shores, issues one and two from Vault Comics. By the way, follow him at Art of Sumit Kumar. I'll spell it A R T of O F. Sumit, S U M I T K U M A R. Let's start with Sumit Kumar's stunning covers to these Savage Shores. Let's start. We're going to break format a little bit, and let's just go with uh, one first and then two seconds. So tell me your thoughts, Ian, on the cover to these Savage Shores, issue number one. Uh, My thought with first glance is I see this, uh, you know, I see the face of the... um, I forget which character it is, but I see the face of him and then I see the other two characters standing there and it just gives me this like, it gives me this sense of like awe over the character design, just how beautiful these characters are. Uh, But when I kept looking and I looked at the backgrounds and then I looked at like, uh, like the bats and stuff flying around Mm -hmm. it, um, you know, looking back at it after reading it, I'm like, wow, this is just a perfect cover that depicts what you're going to get inside. Yes. It's a bit of storytelling there, which I love when the real estate is used for the cover. Yeah. It'll actually yeah. tie into the story. Um, and if we can just lightly describe it, it's mostly red on the cover with this black sort of castle silhouetting this, the, the two characters in this like loving embrace as her shadow is red. Like there's blood in the water again, you know, keynote to the story tip there. And it's a wraparound cover, which is gorgeous. On the back side of it, it has this the the moonlight silhouetted along the water in white, and there's like the dripping effect, like also kind of telling you that you know there's just this ominous sort of story that's going on here, and the bats in the background, it's just stunning and so hyper detailed, right? Not cartoony style, just very realistic. Yeah, very realistic. Yeah, to even the plants that hit the foreground. And the bats, like you said, that just go across the entire sweeping of the of the you know the wraparound cover. I love these wraparound covers that are like this, that are so stunning. It's just gorgeous. Yeah, Vault does a lot of stuff like that. And they even do like a little recap or a little sort of gist at the back of every issue. And I love that Vault Comics does that. It just kind of you know gives you a moment to like I think I'll just read that rather than spoiling all the interior art and just kind of get a gist. And it's always there on the back of Vault Comics. That's cool. Yeah, and that's really good, I think, for anybody that uh, feels kind of left out maybe or like, oh, I didn't pick up, you know, issue one, two, and three. Now they're on four. It's like you can pick this up, kind of get the gist of where they're at. Yeah, I really appreciate that. But let's talk about the uh, the body of art in the Savage Shores issue number one. 
the opening sequence for me is one of my favorites because it has this yellow background and it's just birds in the foreground and it's just gorgeous like i think he is one of those artists that he could uh you know do insurance symbols and i would probably just you know love to look at it it's just stunning yeah i don't uh i don't see a flaw in literally anything that he's done <laughs> no and i cyber stalked uh mr um again is a uh, sumit kumar on all his online stuff and he hand pencil stuff he's not a digital artist it's he loves just to, to pencil each line and do the a lot of the inks himself because the the facial features uh, how realistic they look right and the emotions on everyone's face in this is so well done yeah uh, like every single emotion every single like thing that they think you can almost you can almost see what they're thinking it's yeah it's really good yeah, if you go into the opening sequence after the birds, <laughs> so I was just caught there staring at the birds, these beautiful ships in the ocean, and there is this moment where we're, we're zooming in, we're, we're at a far shot, and it's coming a little closer, and coming a little closer in the panel, and they show these sort of, the portals on the side of the ship, and there's this reflection of the green of the water that's on the boat there, as we, the, the, the last panel is like a zoom in of the character writing a letter, if you look at that, that reflection along that water is gorgeous coloring. Like it looks so realistic there. Yeah, I think everything looks realistic, and that's part of the part of the reason why I'm in such awe. Is like, uh, like the wa the water to the sky to the just like everything is just super realistic. The character design is so realistic. The the way that the characters look, their dress and stuff is so real. It's like, oh, it's, it's amazing. He even has like a Watchman feel to it. If you look at the nine panel grids, he does that four or five times. Yeah. And they're hyper detailed. They're just so clean and crisp. Everything in the background is just hyperly focused. He doesn't use a lot of blurring tooling. It's just everything is very crisp and clear. And he loves to go from very dark to very bright. I mean, it. it there's he definitely paints the era very well, you know, which is like in the late 1700s, early 1800s to where it's just candlelight. Because it seems like the whole thing is kind of lit by candles, right? Yeah, totally. And the uh, the sun, when they're in places that would have uh, you know the sun blocked out a little bit, like in the in the jungles, it's kind of a little bit darker. Yes. Yeah, and then when they're out in the open, it's kind of a little bit lighter. And yeah. Yeah. But anytime you're looking at any of the characters he draws in their in their eyes, it's you definitely know how they're feeling. There's no guess there, and I really really appreciate that and he does those hyper zoom moments too like when someone's writing a letter on parchment and you get to just see the calligraphy like up close and the sort of splatter of the ink on the pen it's that that crazy sharp and detail yeah they like every page yeah every page i don't understand how he does such amazing work on every single page yeah I, I i'm not familiar with his work but i am a super fan from now on and anything he does i'm going to follow it and buy it that's sumit kumar you um you just knocked it out of the park and we'll go quickly into the cover on issue number two which is even equally as stunning it's another wraparound cover i love the framework of the second uh, of the 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 savage shores issue number two you notice the sort of gold framework that's done here like he does bring the art in a bit but in that in that gold border that's surrounding uh, the cover of issue number two, we notice that. Yeah, definitely. That's actually one of the first things that draws to me. Even though um, even though this cover is a little bit more busy, I I kind of looked at that framework and it uh, 
the contrast of that uh, with the cat behind it is just really cool. But that also with the, you know, the words, these savage shores on the top looks, yeah, it looks perfect. Everything's the design, right? It has sort of that, that X paneling. If you look at it, right? It's like you, someone took a blank page, wrote an X across it and then did the art in those four quadrants and that top quadrant where that leopard is staring at us and in those eyes it's just ominous and beautiful and the wrinkles on its on the leopard's face just perfect right yeah and there's even like a crest that goes in between his eyes that goes sort of down the middle of the page into what looks sort of like the sun but it's it's using that as a sort of borderline tool if you look at it it's a, like a plus in the center of the screen or a cross in the center of the page yeah, and uh, that uh, leopard is almost like, to me, it's almost like the Mona Lisa because that crease that you were talking about, uh, it makes me feel like he's looking at you angrily, but yes. really you don't know because you can't really see his mouth. You can't see if he's snarling or not, you know? Right. So it's like, it's the mystery behind it, but it just looks so cool, just so badass. I agree. And there's even a that sort of African sun uh, set in the background and ton of storytelling in this right on the cover of the savage shores issue number two right you see our yeah. our sort of demon character in the right quadrant you see the young prince on his elephant with his band of of, of people following behind him the prince ali there in his caravan <laughs> yeah <laughs> and on the left that that left quadrant is where the magic happens because it it has the sort of young uh, prince ali again uh, you know, posed with his rifle to, to shoot at the leopard, and then it bleeds into the sort of castle and this this other sort of moment that's over on the left on the wraparound cover again. I love it. It's just one of the best covers I've ever looked at in so long. Yeah, they kind of uh, encompass everything that is in the book in the covers, which I, I think is like kind of a lost art anymore, you know? I agree, and I appreciate it all the way. That's why... Uh, I think we're we can we've done gushing on art here for Sumit Kumar. You are easily the winner of the cover artist uh, winner and the artist winner of the week for these Savage Shores issues one and two from Vault Comics. Thank you so much again. Follow him at Art of Sumit Kumar. But man, uh, I, I gotta I gotta give you thanks, Ian, because I missed this somehow. I don't know why how I missed issue number one, but. You brought it back to my attention, and uh, this is some of the best art I've seen in a very long time. So thank you. Yeah, definitely. I think uh, I think Vault is one of those ones that falls through the cracks sometimes because a lot of times people don't know about them, or maybe they just kind of get shoved in the back. But Vault is a is a company I've been I've been looking at really close because they've been putting out a lot of really quality stuff. Yes. And last thing before we move on to the art, it, the the use of purple in this to sort of show this this ominous night is just so well placed, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, like just the yeah the color contrast here I think is a little bit more rich than uh, than the first issue. Yes, but I mean not by a lot, but but just a little bit. Now, even the striking look of the mask design for the main sort of demon character, which we'll get into the story in a second. It's just so intricate and just such symmetry design into it. It's just lovely. But thank you, Mr. Sumit Kumar. You are easily our artist winner of the week and our cover artist winner of the week for these Savage Shores issue one and two. Thank you so much, uh, Vault Comics, for, for doing this. It's a, it's, we're going to get into the story a little bit later into the show. Uh, but now the breakdown. Uh, I actually read 14 comics this week. How many did you read, uh, Ian? How many comics was on your pull list? 
I went through 17 this week. Nice. You beat me by a little bit. And five of them made it to the Great Ones recommendation list. That's pretty great. And uh, it's not easy to make it to that list, so it's got to be great, or we're not going to tell you about it. Also, new number ones. There were two new number ones for me this week. How many for you, Ian? Uh, Just one. Just one? And of the two, one of them made it to the great list this week, so it had to be amazing. It did, and it made it, and we're going to talk about it here in a second. So here we go now. Let's talk about the top comic book recommendations. This is our list that we consider the best of the new comic books that just came out Wednesday, new comic book day, November 28th. We strongly, strongly recommend you go and buy these at your local comic book shop today. Where do you get your comics at, Ian? I go to uh, Stargazers in Tacoma, Washington. It's a great place. I love my uh, comic book uh, fellow nerd, uh, fellow nerds that... <laughs> go out of their way to accommodate me and my crazy pull list of random stuff. Nice. Hello, Stargazers. I met you you out there when I was visiting for Aftershock Comics. Great shop. And uh, for me, it's uh, Comic Madness in Ontario. That's where I go. Hello to Lee and Jeremy. Uh, So here we go now. These are the five great comic books that we recommend. So write these down. Get your pencil out. So here we go now. Coming in at number five is Black Panther. Issue number six. This, of course, is from Marvel Comics. This is writer Ta Nahisi Coates and stunning art by guest artist Jen Bartell. And we both love Jen Bartell for her work with uh, Blackbird, right? Yeah, I think uh, Bartell is probably one of the top artists in the game, in my opinion. I agree. She's like a solid up-and-comer that a lot of people don't know about. But go check out Blackbird. It's gorgeous from Image Comics. Jen Bartell crushes it. It's very clean, kind of in the uh, the uh, the style of like Wicked and Divine, right? Yeah, I think if it wasn't for Sumit, she'd probably be my number one art pick. Totally agree. And so, uh, so Black Panther issue number six. Thank you for reading it. I know it wasn't on your pull list, right? But I again lured you in. What were your initial thoughts of Black Panther issue number six? Uh, my initial thoughts, because this was the first Black Panther I've read in a, a very long time, so for me, the sci-fi element that Coates has brought in, I thought was just uh, fantastic. Right? The, uh, yeah, the um, the way that he kind of brings back the black sci-fi type feel, and uh, the way that he uh, paints Wakanda as an intergalactic force to be reckoned with is really fun it's yeah i agree in my opinion it's uh, my favorite of any black panther comic i've ever read uh, you know i can easily say that i haven't read a ton but uh i remember uh priest some of his run back then for black yeah, panther. i think that's the last uh, time the last stuff that i've read was back when priest was on it in the first run of uh of coats on black panther i remember trailing off it was like really good at first well this is totally different right it's in a sci-fi world and I love that this issue centers around the the major villain, uh, which I have a hard time pronouncing his name, but it's like Injadaka. You know that N apostrophe. However you pronounce it, Inj Inj. I think. Yeah, I'm not 100 percent on that either. <laughs> yeah, who knows? Um, but that's what you do. I think it's Injaka, right? Yeah, Injaka. Yeah, I guess. I always want to Adaka it hard, you know. But anyway, doesn't matter. Uh, but uh, <laughs> this kind of focuses around his story. Oh, and. I'm so glad that it gave a really super good recap at the beginning, right? To kind of catch you up if you hadn't read the previous five. It does a great job of that, right? Yeah, I think Marvel is uh, starting to do that a lot with their stuff. And it, it really helps me because I'm not uh, huge into Marvel. 
So when I read something like this where you're like, oh, you got to check this out, it's on it's on your list, I'm like, okay, well, I go back and I, I check that out and I'm, yeah, I'm stunned with how awesome those recaps are and how it helps me kind of get back into the game, you know? Yeah, and I think that helps me really kind of, if there's something you're not reading and I've got to kind of sell you into it, I think that if it has a really solid recap, then it, I lean more towards really giving it the time to, to explain it to you, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, definitely. So you're not completely in the dark and like, what the heck's going on? But this yeah. is a nice uh, layout of the villain, Njitika, whatever. And uh, <laughs> he uh, he is uh, goes to the, the sort of burial ground of uh, where the spiritual gathering of the Wakanda, the past Wakandan kings and so on sort of meet up. It has... I know that Coates loves to do his homework on Black Panther and the deep mythology of it. And he, he does his homework going into like just issues way back into the initial run of black panther and references a lot of them i don't know that i don't have that deep of a knowledge into black panther but i'm already guessing this is a place that has been discussed before and he's having a conversation with a spirit it's kind of like a like a star wars uh, ghost hologram right that he's talking to yeah and that's uh that was one of the things that intrigued me with the most were, were all these characters right in the beginning when he when he's talking to the spirit uh character and there's other ones in the background where now I'm like, okay, well, who are these guys? You know, right. like, when are we gonna find out who they are? And is he gonna, you know, is he gonna take them on too? And like, yeah, just uh, it raised a lot of questions, but like in a good way, you know, to where I want to go back and kind of, kind of see how it ends up. Excellent. I have to give hats hats off the coats here, as a, as this is kind of the ending of an arc, but he brings everything together here in a really nice package. I mean, we don't actually see Black Panther in this. <laughs> you know, yeah. Warning. warning. <laughs> There's no Black Panther. Part of the surprise for me was like, okay, well, the, this whole thing happened, and I didn't, I didn't see Chaka at all. So. <laughs> yeah, he's not in it. <laughs> they should have been a, you know, a disclaimer, uh, maybe. But, um, but we see a lot of him and what's happened to him, and he's already referenced in here, and he's already given in the recap as to that he has sort of uh, lost his memory, and he's sort of coming back in to his own, and he's kind of written into this crazy space prophecy, because this is who knows how far into the future, and uh, our new villain is sort of dreading his arrival, and he's talking to this anthropomorphic uh, god, again in this uh, Wakanda spiritual zone, and... She's, her design, Jen Bartel, oh my gosh, right, of this, uh, what is her name? It's like Ashaka or Ashika, I forgot the name of her. Um, yeah, I didn't forget too, but... The, gorgeous, right? The design? Well, yeah, just about everything that Jen Bartel does is uh, pretty amazing. And uh, I'm hoping that they stick with these same character designs and, and the same kind of, uh, at least maybe not somebody on her level, but somebody close to it, you know? Yes, I would love to have her. I mean, and she, I know she's doing Blackbird, so she's probably too busy to, uh, <laughs> to yeah. jump into this. Yeah. Like, but come on, can't you just, you know, drink a lot of coffee and yes. kind of just do every single book ever because <laughs> yeah. she's amazing. <laughs> and don't ever sleep and, you know, just yeah. hardline, yeah. Uh, you know, Starbucks into your blood vessels. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Jen. We just love it that much. <laughs> yeah. But I love the nod to the past, right? Um, this uh, spiritual uh, deity is discussing with our villain here uh, as to the nod to his past and his background and where he came from. And we've seen this character. Again, Black Panther hasn't actually met this villain. It's still building up to that. But uh, the only thing, uh, again, just very light spoilerish alert, is we get a understanding 
of this villain's suit, right? To talk a little bit about that, Ian. Well, it uh, it really threw me off uh, in a good way to where when I saw that, I kind of stepped back and, and had to, to like take a deep breath and be like, oh, because I was so excited. <laughs> You're right. Yeah, awesome. That was kind of my reaction, too. Yeah. And to where um, – uh, even you uh, talked me into reading uh, the Web of Venom, the Carnage uh, Born, right? Yeah. And, and getting me uh, to dip the toes back into the Venomverse. And when I saw that uh, Injadaka's suit uh, was a Clintar, uh, that he, that I won't spoil all of it, but that he stumbles across and he has a Venom suit. His suit is actually, he's a symbiote uh, host, right? Yeah, it didn't feel like they went overboard or anything with it either. Yeah. It was very, like, sprinkled in to where it, it was done with respect to to Venom, but not, uh, like, an all-out ripoff. And it was more of a – it was more of a nod to Clintar itself versus Venom. You know what I mean? Yes. It wasn't like he all of a sudden went, I have the spirit of Venom. You're right. It was subtle. Yeah. And, and you know what I noticed is the the – the black veins on his neck coming from the suit. It was like that all the way from issue number one, but you know what I mean? They, it was just very subtle and, and they didn't spell it out. And, but when you look at the eyes, when he actually is fully covered in the mask on his face, you kind of see, Oh, there's the, uh, the sort of a version of the venom eyes we're used to a little bit. Yeah, exactly. But you're right. It was subtle. And I, I really love that character design, but I always say in writing, you have to build a really good bad guy, and this really builds an amazing villain, right? Yeah, definitely. And I, I can say that from only reading this issue. Yes, I, I, I think it's an all-storytelling. You have to have the the primary character really fight a villain of substance, you know, one that you really want. when you, You're just kind of foaming at the mouth here to really see the villain go down because he's that, you know, sort of wicked or has that much story or we understand sort of his motivation. We get all that here in this. And so that's why Black Panther, issue number six, is our number five pick of the week. Thanks for trying it out, Ian, and I'm really glad you enjoyed it. Oh, yeah, thanks for putting me on to it. No problem. And coming in at number four is Star Wars Darth Vader, issue number 24, and this is written by Charles Soule, who's also doing Daredevil at the same time, and Giuseppe Camincoli, who is amazing on art, by the way. I love this cover with just Darth Vader's head just coming through the flames. Wasn't it gorgeous? Yeah, definitely. Uh, the The essence of Darth Vader is really captured in these comics. Yes. Soul is doing a fantastic job on Darth Vader. I've said this numer- numerous times. Uh, Darth Vader has been a number one pick of the week more than once. It's been artist winner. It's been cover artist winner of the week multiple, multiple times. Charles Soule is crushing it. This and Daredevil have been my two uh, favorites from Charles Soule ever of all time. But again, this is a, a one I talked you into. But what were your initial thoughts here of Darth Vader issue number 24? So this is only the second time I've read it. The other time <laughs> was on the podcast. And uh, it... Uh, the standalone they're both both issues 24 and 23 that i read are perfect standalone comics and yes. i i'm just kind of surprised i mean it still wraps a story in it but it's easily read just by itself yes i don't know how he's really been able that's a tough tricky thing to do right where you have continuity there and there is tie-in from the previous stories but it stands on its own. And, it, of course, the, maybe the crawl helps too, right? It, it kind of brings you 
to where you okay this is where we begin yeah definitely uh the crawl and <laughs> for my money it kind of looks it looks like a, a star wars crawl so i really like that but the yeah like we were saying with black panther the way that they kind of get you geared up and they're like okay here's what's going on boom it's quick and easy and it just segues perfectly into what's going on yes and they they i love the crawl being three segments right there's there's one that kind of the first segment of the crawl is like who darth vader is right like you know who he is and the middle one is kind of like what the main heart of the story is and then the last part of the of the crawl is like exactly previously on darth vader 23 (laughs) you know yeah yeah and it's not uh it's it's quick and easy it's literally like you said it's like paragraphs not even like i wouldn't even consider them like huge whole paragraphs they're like uh maybe like two or three sentences yes it it gets right into it i can't we we both so appreciate it so anyone in in the creative comic book world if you're listening please give us the previously ons to everything we really appreciate it as a comic book reader as a comic book reader we don't read just one comic you know what i mean so we need, we need that help, when, especially when we have to wait a month or two weeks for something. Like, uh, I'm just an advocate. I'm just getting on my soapbox there for a second. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I am. I'm right there with you. Make room. Yeah, but Darth Vader. So uh, the 23 was Mo Min, this amazing character they've just designed. Who it, it comes from an evil uh, dark force mask, and he is able to sort of take over the spirit. You know, he's able to sort of possess the spirit of other characters and and live. And pushes their spirits out of their body, if you will, and sort of possess them, as I said, and resurrects. He resurrects himself at the end of last issue. And Darth Vader's on this this planet, this uh, Mustafar planet, which we know ends up being his home eventually. But this is sort of the 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 battle, the the war of Mustafar with the Mustafarians that are trying to uh, stop the evil Dark Lord from fracking on their planet. <laughs> and it is a ultimately just action-packed from the beginning to the end of this right i read this in like seemed like three minutes yeah it goes by real quick and and like you said action-packed man it just doesn't stop it doesn't stop there's a great uh splash page here where darth vader is like posed on a perch and it's just a war scene it's a star wars we're getting (laughs) an actual star wars um (laughs) where the stormtroopers are like Darth Vader, we need to leave. The, the planet's going down. We're going to start evacuation. And you've seen that page, and his hand is out, posed, and he just says, there will be no evacuation. And it's just the war is all happening around him. It's beautiful. Yeah, those poor stormtroopers, it's probably because they can't hit anything. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah, they're going to die either way. They're just, you know, uh, giving Darth Vader a few seconds in between. But right. uh, the use... <laughs> The use of the force here, the to see Darth Vader at a sort of level ten use of the dark side of the force here with lava, wasn't that just fantastic in this? Yeah, I uh, it it goes by really quick, but there's this one splash page in between the fighting where he chops one of these bugs in half, man. Yes, I'm looking right oh, at it right now. Oh, yeah, that to me is like that's worth the price of admission right there. Yes, and you know what? It gave me a little weird uh, Samurai Jack twitch. Like, uh, there's so many right. scenes of him <laughs> slicing through robot bugs, and it gave me that little oh hey, it's like a little kind of nod to Samurai Jack. Um, I loved that. Right there is this giant uh, lava flea. They called him right. They they yeah. kind of it reminds me of those. I think they're called water fleas, right? That kind of flick on the surface. The actual bugs that that, that walk along the surface of water. 
Yeah. That's what kind of yeah. the lava flea reminds me of. It's like a, those little bug swimmers. I know I'm not calling it right, but it has that design like that. That uh, Kevin Coley, I think, has you know spent some time I think looking at insects, and he really nailed it here with how those those lava fleas look. Just an interesting character, but yeah, I love that splash page. And uh, speaking of splash, there's a lot of lava splashing around here, so there's constantly like a yellowy, embery, fiery look to everything, and I just, I love living in that space of this Mustafar planet of fire. Yeah, it definitely goes well with the dark side, I feel. Yes. And then we really get to see the, again, level 10 dark side of the Force on display here when it's a showdown between Darth Vader and Momin, right? That's That's really what's happening here. It's... An all-out fisticuff, lightsabery battle using the dark side of the force with the Mustafarians attacking at the same time. It's just leads leads up to such an amazing ending. You uh, said, "Oh my God, that ending!" That's, that's I quote unquote from Ian. Um, without spoiling it, man, what did you think it led up to as far as how the end of this goes? You know, I'm not really sure because I haven't been up on it. But I, like you said, you know that it eventually becomes his home, right? So yes. Uh, but the way that yeah, the way that he gets after Moment is like, who? It's like two. You know, I couldn't think of of a more worthy opponent. Yes. For him than another, uh, you know, another dark dark side wielder you know so it's it's just really good fight scene really good really good ending with him and yeah and i'm kind of curious now the same same with this i'm curious to see where it goes and in this run uh, i have my fingers crossed that like momin will somehow become canon right or crossover or maybe keep going um i, I think it's a well-designed character from the look of him and his mask it's a just a twinge of sort of mandalorian there but his mask is cool and his eyes glow red but all I can say is in the past uh, issues in this run, there's been interesting characters that Charles Soule has designed, and they're no longer around. They're, they're gone. But uh, <laughs> wouldn't that be great if this character sticks around, Moment? Yeah, I'd like to see that. Uh, you, you can't do a character with this cool of a design and then just trash him, you know? Right. He, he at least fights you would hope two, not. Yeah, at least you hope not. And he fights with two red lightsabers. And even the hilt design is very cool looking. It's all great design. Yeah, yeah. And like, like you said, I think my favorite part is his mask. Yeah, it's just a very cool, unique looking, still living in the Star Wars world kind of mask. It's just fitting. Yeah, very fitting. But Definitely man, goes well. Yeah, it does. But you got to get Darth Vader, folks. If you're not reading it, uh, jump in there. Take it from Ian. Uh, I've forced him to read the last two issues. And uh, you're digging him, right? Yeah, definitely. My arm has been twisted. <laughs> nice. I used the dark side of the force and twisted your arm. <laughs> yep. And you're in now. You're hooked. <laughs> well, now we're on to the top three comic book recommendations. So here we go. The top three coming in at number three is Daredevil, issue number 612. This is the finale. This is written by Charles Soule, and this is beautiful, stunning art from Phil Noto. Some of the best Phil Noto art I've seen in a long time. His stuff is always good, but we know when he's busy. What did you think of Phil Noto's art to the finale of Charles Soule's run here, Daredevil 612? I'm a newcomer to Phil, I think. I can't, at least off the top of my head, think of anything I've read of his. Oh, um, he's good. But yeah, yeah, it really is. It's it, to me, it looks like one of those like uh, those pastel kind of colors. Yes. Where it's it's like a kind of almost paintingish, but like 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 I said, pastel where it's like a, a chalky, but. Uh, I'm having a hard time because I'm not a, a great artist, but um, 
it's just done really well and it's like very like bright and vibrant in, in a lot of spots oh yeah like when he's fighting in the hospital uh, the character Vigil, which is gorgeously yeah. designed, right? It's yeah. like this lime green everywhere. It's like fluorescent lighting and, like you said, that pastel-y fluorescent green. Yeah. And then there's red, right, with with Daredevil, just this stark, you know, yeah, contrast. Yeah, like bright and popping, yeah. Yeah, it's it's so stunning. And the detail on the eyes, the face work, the, the, the facial design, top-notch from Phil Noto. He definitely poured his heart and soul into this to make Mr. Charles so happy uh, that this being the five year run. I can't believe it's been five years. I've read every issue. I've loved it. It's been top pick of the week. It's been in the top 10 constantly. It's been art winner. It's been cover artist winner. They have changed artists a few times, but Phil's Phil Noto has been hanging out here for the final, I want to say six or seven. So this has been amazing. I even, um, there was the name of this comic that I wanted to look up and, and it ties into a lot of what happens in the comic it's a pyrophobia and i'm like wow okay I, I gotta look this up and see what the definition of it is and it's the fear of eternity and that actually ties into the story right without spoiling too much right ian oh yeah i didn't uh i didn't put two and two together yeah you have to look up the word a, a peer a pyrophobia but it means the fear of eternity which ties in and i'm not going to spoil it but I also can see why the ending of this has actually sparked controversy uh, without spoiling the very end, jumping right to it. But uh, can you agree with that? That it's definitely sparked some controversy and strong feelings towards people of the sort of the very end of this. Um, you know, I, I haven't heard anything like that. I can see why, but I don't necessarily agree because uh, Marvel's done a lot of uh, controversial endings where I'm like, you know, a lot, a lot of the stuff they've done is... Way worse, in my opinion. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. I agree. And it's I actually this... really like the way uh, the way that that Charles wrapped it up. I think he should be proud. I agree. He left it to where we know it's not the end of Daredevil for all time. There has to be other creative team, another creative team coming in, and he didn't write them into a corner where they were sort of forced to say carry on with his story without saying too much again. You know, he yeah. he, he left it into the ending that he wanted. And also left it for the new writer, which they've already announced the new writer and the new artist, which I already forgot their names, but it's been announced and I'm excited um, to be able to sort of flush out either the way his story went or leave it alone and start fresh and new, you know? Yeah, definitely. And I, I think uh, Chip Zdarsky and Marco Ch Chichetto. Chichetto? Yeah. Yes. Sorry, Marco. Yeah, <laughs> I'm pretty sure. <laughs> We're sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, uh, I think the way he cut that tie was very clean crisp and it sets up chip for a good run and uh like you said didn't paint him into a corner he doesn't right. you know he doesn't have to pick up charles's run exactly. you know and, and start off with with somebody else's stuff it's it's a totally clean slate like here you go chip here's you know it was, it was like he uh he was playing with a toy and he handed it back perfectly intact. Yeah. There's no arm missing or anything, you know, and it's like, here you go. Boom. Yeah. I know he put it back. He had the car. He kept the, uh, the packaging and put the, and put it back into its clear, you know, case. <laughs> it's just pretty yeah. and shiny or they could run with it. It like, it leaves it open without uh, saying too much, but there is a sort of big reveal in this towards the end. And, um, another tie in without saying what it is, is the definition of the word vigil. Um, so I was looking that up, and that also ties into 
sort of the ending here um, if you look up the word vigil. I know I'm being semi-secretive uh, here, but if, you, if you're reading this comic, uh, look up <laughs> the, the apirophobia and the word vigil, those two things, and then read the comic, and it'll also make sense. I know Charles Soule uh, tied the definitions of those two words into this comic very well. But um, Oh, I went back to uh, Daredevil issue number 609, because the opening sequence of issue 609 shows Daredevil in the hospital in surgery being cut open and he uh saved this man from being hit by a large truck so that is uh, also a tie into kind of what happens right here you know what i'm talking about <laughs> yeah yeah that makes sense <laughs> we're being cryptic in a way but um... right well you know <laughs> semi spoiler ish <laughs> right ish but i love the courtroom drama right and it's it's not overly dialogued because you would initially think, wow, if we're going to be in court and Daredevil's going to be there, then it's going to be a ton of dialogue. But man, there's just a great gave me chills sort of superhero nerdgasm moment when uh, because of a court case that happened in the past, heroes can be like brought to the stand in costume and their identities protected because of this uh, whatever I forgot the name of it. Like it was like a name Chadarsky versus something. That happened, you know, in the run of this, of, of Charles Soule, uh, his Daredevil. And what did you think of that? Did you get nerdgasm when they called to the stand Thor and Spider-Man and everyone to fight against Fisk uh, being the mayor of New York? Yeah, because it, to me, it was like a true superhero thing where, of course, they all have his back. Of course, they all show up. Of course... Yes. Um, of course, they do it in court, you know, like legally. And I think even like Doctor Strange was in the background, uh, the Heroes for Hire back there. Yep. It, was, it was just everybody. And it was just really, it was really cool to see. It was like, we got your back, man. And like yeah. Thor like, shows up to court. Like, right. Odin's son here to testify. <laughs> yeah. And he lays his hand upon the Bible saying that he swears to God. And, you know, it was a laugh in the courtroom, you know, that Thor is praying to a god <laughs> or you know putting putting his hand up it's just like wow he's a god you know he's, he's gonna say i swear to god but uh, i thought that was a but you know charles soul is a lawyer by day and a comic book writer by night so this is the, the sweet spot for him and he, he created a court case that you know allows them to be there and it was just glorious that they all showed up like seeing captain america you know get ready to sit down on the stand just it gave me the chills i was like wow it's happening yeah, I felt that way with uh, just everything, Thor and Spider-Man, all of it, yeah, chilling. Yeah, and, and Fisk having the, uh, the um, what's the movie with Jack Nicholson and Tom Cruise, you know? You can't handle the truth. Yeah, what was it? The, oh, I can't even remember <laughs> uh, the name of it. A Few Good Men, I think, Thank right? you, right? Yeah. He absolutely had that moment of where his vanity just, uh, it, he could not re- contain himself. They, he was tapping upon his vanity by saying, Mr. Fisk. And he's like, no, I'm Mr. Mayor. And he's like, mm, Mr. Fisk, uh, you will call me mayor. Uh, hey, Mr. Fisk. And he just kept pressing that button. And I was like, yes, go, go. Right? Yeah, and you knew it was going to happen too, you know, because uh, I think they even say like, well, you know, what's the downfall of a guy like Fisk is his ego, man. <laughs> yep. And they and they just played that lo- attorney played it so well, so perfectly. And I love the metaphor, of course, to uh, to uh, you know uh, political power and 
and you know Fisk in this. We know who the metaphor is, uh, <laughs> which he will his name will not be said. Uh, but <laughs> <laughs> but I love that. Right? It's a definite, very clear metaphor. Yeah, yeah, and it, and it works well. It's not uh, you know, it, it works very well. It's not in your face about it, right? Yeah, not at all. No, not at all. But uh, man, this is just a, such a, a wonderful ending. It gave me the chills at the end. It was kind of, you're right, uh, such a perfect designed package uh, ending, in my opinion. It was a lot of fun. Just the body of the comic. Uh, you put setting aside the reveal and sort of what happens at the end. Uh, he fights Vigil. It's a great fight scene with him and Vigil. I, I've already uh, gushed over how amazing the character design is of Vigil. But man, isn't he just an imposing villain? The character Vigil. Oh yeah, I agree. Uh, I'm drawing a blank at who he reminds me of, but he definitely looks like a Vatican, uh, a Vatican uh, uh, assassin. You know. Yes. And oh, the the definition of Vigil, by the way, I just popped it up while you're saying that. Is a is here. This is the definition again, giving you a clue and nodding into the story. A period of keeping awake. During the time usually spent asleep, especially to keep watch or pray. So if you think about, uh, again, what's happening in here, right? And what happens towards the end, uh, the definition of visual is uh, a little goes a little deeper, right? Oh, yeah. Wow. That's uh, um, even more kudos to Charles. Uh-huh. Way to go, Mr. Soul. You, uh, I, I think he knocked it out of the park. I don't know. Crushed it. Yeah, it was uh, fantastic. But uh, Daredevil, what can we say? Uh um, it's just fantastic and uh, too bad that you know it's not going to be on Netflix. They just announced. Uh, maybe we should talk about that really quick, right? Uh, what are your thoughts on the announcing that uh, Netflix will no longer uh, pick up Daredevil for for season four, which is ridiculous? What are you? What are your thoughts there? Yeah, I'm I'm not horribly surprised because of all the behind the scenes stuff going on with uh, Disney and uh, you know Disney Netflix, the merger with Fox, all this stuff going on. The thing that uh, like I definitely feel like they'll be back. Daredevil is not going anywhere. But what worries me is um, about uh, the actor Cox because I feel like he is just uh, a really excellent actor and he does a, a Matt Murdock really well. And the same thing happened with uh, Constantine. Yeah, I you know they found a perfect Constantine and then they kind of muffed up his series and yeah. then. You know, I just got really upset because I'm like, he was perfect and you wasted him. And that's kind of how I feel with, uh, what's his name, Charlie Cox, I believe. Yeah, Charlie Cox. Well, you know that the Constantine character now is being sprinkled into Legends of Tomorrow. They're, they've they brought him into that. But, you know, it's not a Constantine story. I guess they're leaning towards having that supernatural sort of blend every so often. I've only peeked in. But um, he's kind of there because... Because of, I think, fan support. So you're right. He was cast so well. And yeah. then now they're like, well, let's bring him into Legends. Let's keep him busy. I know he did the voice in the new Constantine cartoon, too. Movie. Cartoon movie. Uh, yeah. The uh, City of city of the Damned, I think. Yes. They're keeping him going. He has definitely yeah. the voice and the look of Constantine. So that's wonderful. But I, I what I initially um, saw online when people were sort of reacting that like, oh, my gosh. Well, how could they... A lot of people in support saying Daredevil season three was, and I agree because I reviewed it this way, was one of the best superhero TV seasons uh, ever. Or even just uh, put aside the superhero, it was a great season of television. One of the one of the best. Like, and as oh, far yeah. as superhero TV shows go, I mean, the season three crushed it better than one and two. And people are going, 
and now it's over? Like, they're going to end it? And my initial responses were like, it's going to Disney Plus. Don't worry. You know? Well, I looked that's that up. That's too. Um, mm-hmm. You know, that's why I said it, it's not gone. It's not going anywhere. It just it might come back in a different medium or a different, uh, you know, uh, or like maybe movies, maybe a different uh, streaming service, but it'll be back. Yeah, like Disney executives did come forward and say Daredevil is uh, done on Netflix and it, it won't be back. They confirmed it. And then they also said that it won't be on Disney Plus. They're like, nope, no Disney Plus. But um, speculation after that, you're right, is like, is movies. And I hope it's Charlie Cox too. Or Hulu is the other one because I guess Disney's going to pretty much own Hulu and they're going to sort of redesign it when the Fox merger is all done. And they've already got two Marvel shows there with Cloak and Dagger. And what was the other one? Uh, Cloak and Dagger and uh, you gosh, said it earlier. Gifted? Oh, uh, the, uh, the Runaways. The Runaways and The Gifted too, I think. Well, that's... Oh, no, that's uh, Fox. Fox, okay. Well, anyway, when Fox... Uh, it all officially comes over they're going to redesign hulu so maybe that's where it's going to go too because they've got the edgier sort of darker marvel tv shows so maybe yeah yeah definitely wouldn't surprise me but wouldn't it be cool to see charlie cox's daredevil in the movies like they could just go right into you know making a two-hour film right after the the ending of of season three right i you know i i you you could get me to go to the theaters for that definitely yeah Folding them into the Avengers somehow, maybe? Or... Oh, boy, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you imagine? I, I don't want to get my hopes up, though, just in case. You know? I know. Well, I, 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 Daredevil's one of my favorite comic book characters uh, of all time. And so, yeah, we have to see uh, more of it. But that's why Daredevil 612, the ending of Charles Soule's five-year run, uh, is amazing. You gotta, you can pick it up and read this by itself, right? It is a great uh, recap and get you up to speed. Check it out. Daredevil 612, easily our number third pick. Could have, it was a top contender, right? Oh yeah, I think so. Especially being a you know a final, yeah, finale. Yeah, very good. But here we go now. On to the number one and number two. <laughs> I'm breaking sort of format a little. Uh, top comic book picks of the week. This is the great ones, the champions, the top dogs, the supreme leaders, the big Kahuna's. <laughs> this this week's uh, number one and number two, uh, top comic book of the week is these savage. Shores, issue number one and number two. It was so good that I kind of broke format since I missed issue number one. I it, it was top pick and so was number two. I just blended them into one top pick. So here we go. What do you think of that, Ian? I, it's that good. I broke format. Hey, I I have to agree. Oh, There's good. no way that you can that you can deny these. These are just uh, some of the best comics. Period. Because you could have disagreed. you could have went, Chris. You you shouldn't do this. It's a it's a it's a nightmare decision. Uh, you're out of your gourd. You know. Yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> but no, it's that good, right? These Savage Shores is from Vault Comics, and it's uh, written by uh, Ram V, which I now started following. You can just look him up. Everything Ram V, and again, our cover artist winner of the week, our artist winner of the week for both these Savage Shores issues number one and two, Sumit. Kumar, our new favorite artist, right, Ian? Oh yeah, I I love him. Yeah. <laughs> Seriously, like he's just amazing. Yes, thank you, Vault Comics. Uh, this one was really, really just a stunner. But uh, let's go uh, start with uh, Savage Shores issue number one. Give the people, Ian, like a quick gist of the story. Elevator pitch me. It kind of uh, centers around the East Indian trade type deal. Yep. Where uh, correct so far. <laughs> where the uh, 
the Europeans are over in the uh, uh, oh uh, Mal- Malabar coast or Maltabar. That sounds right. One of those two. Mm-hmm. Yeah, around <laughs> um, uh, Calcutta or Cal- Calicut. I think it was the Mustafar coast. Oh wait, am I? I think I brought those. Uh, that's the lava planet. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's set set somewhere around the 1700s. I think maybe early 1800s, and uh, <clears throat> it follows. It follows some English noblemen, and then once you get into India, it kind of follows another uh, another little princeling and uh, the the folks on the cover, the lovers on the cover. Yeah. Oh, uh, man. Once Stunning. you get into it, yeah. Once you get into it, uh, the art is, is just fantastic, simply amazing. And Ram V has become one of my favorite writers as of recently. Yes, I, I agree. I don't know his stuff either, but now I'm a super, van, super fan. Thank you, Mr. Ram V. I follow you on everything. Uh, also, you yeah. too, uh, Sumit Kumar. Um, yeah, I, I think they eleva- ele- elevator pitch it well again on the back uh, page too. Like we, you summed it up pretty well. It is like um, this uh, vampire on a on a boat that's that was he was seen right uh, sucking the blood from someone, and in these days you had to just run and hide. So he jumps on a ship, and it felt right from there very vampire Lestat novel for me by Anne Rice, which I loved. Yeah, it's a, it's a vampire a, on the run, jumping into ships. Analogy. Yeah, and also he's kind of like that—a very kind of mischievous, little dastardly kind of guy. That is this uh, Elaine. His last name Elaine. Also, this has a very kind of Edward Edgar Rice Burroughs kind of feel, right? Tarzan and uh, and like uh, John Carter from Mars, like mixed into there. Yeah, a little bit, especially with the uh, the character design of the uh, uh, the. Indian fellow with the longer hair, kind of, yes. kind of, yeah, very like sexy long hair type, uh, uh, yeah, kind of like John Carter. Yes, and I love their uh, the the kind of the sort of heart of it is this romance with the two characters. It's this uh, Bishan character, Bishan, who is like a strange sort of a demon um, that we don't quite fully understand, having this lovely. Uh, sort of intimate relationship with like a slave girl, right? Yeah, and the way that the way that Ram writes it makes it uh, intriguing on all fronts, and he makes he makes it feel like it's centered around every character that he's talking about or that is center at the time. So it's almost like you have all these different plot lines and storylines going all at once, but but it all feels very like. Uh, just special Connected. on its own. Yeah, yes. yeah. But you're right. Uh, it's it's a, a semi-large cast, and you can sort of lose the thread of the connection and who they are, right? But the art is done so well that we we can distinctly identify them, which is very important. Yeah, and it all kind of you know it all kind of flows together eventually. But you you get these little chunks of each one, and it kind of goes back and forth, and. It, just the way that he writes just keeps you engaged wholeheartedly. Totally. And I think that yeah. the engagement uh, comes from the attention to detail to the time period, right? Like I love when they're, there's parchment and they're, and they're writing letters. It's like, it's, it's very much set in those late 1700s. And you feel that by the way they communicate through letters and the way ships uh, are intertwined into this. And it, the, 
the time period is a character within itself here. That and Ram V does a fantastic job of 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 creating this lush character, right? Yeah, definitely. And those like you were saying about like the parchment and the the writing and the um you know the correspondence. It's uh <laughs> it reminds me of those old timey jokes where everybody uh talks just really super proper even when they're not they're you know they're like they're slaves but they write just so eloquently yes he captures that feel so well yes he does yeah like again that's just the him selling that time period so well and creating this this lush environment and so our character elaine was found and chased off by another really interesting character uh zachariah stern so at first the way they introduced him in issue number one, I kind of thought maybe he's a, a you know a throwaway character. Maybe we won't see this Zachariah again. Well, he returns uh, because he is just hot on the trail of Mister Vampire on the Run, our Elaine that's trying to escape. And it's like he's uh, goes from the frying pan to the fryer, right, Mister Elaine, when he reaches the shores, these savage shores, and is uh finding out that he's not the most powerful demon around <laughs> yeah and the <clears throat> what's funny to me is like you said you you almost don't recognize him to be like a main character you yeah. think the other fella is the main character but yeah in the in the second issue you kind of find out a little bit more about who he is and what he's all about and it kind of starts making more sense you know Yes, he ties that in. But you're right about, that's again back to the nod of the great character development, right? So we really do feel like each character at that moment is the centerpiece. I mean, even the slave woman, she's uh, questioning uh, the Bishan's like, origin. She knows that he is something else, that he is not of this world, right? She, she knows that. It's very clear. She must have seen his real face. And yet she's still there in these loving embraces with him and questions him like, you know, where are you from and how old are you? And where did, you know, how did you become the way you are? And she's just like, they're talking about, uh, you know, real, having these real deep conversations because they, they clearly kind of love each other. He's trying to see um, the, what is the meaning of it all being immortal, right? Yeah. And uh, like I was saying about the way he's just, Ram is just poetic in the way that he writes. Yes. It's really, uh, it's just really interesting to read because you get that feel of uh of her staring into mortality and knowing you know i only have so much time on this earth where you you know you get to go forever what's that like what's you know what's it all about and you can you can feel you can feel her coming to terms with just life you know and it's just played out in these conversations between the two of them and it just kind of it, it makes you just it makes you stop and think yourself and yes it's just, yeah it's just very poetic ram is is definitely an excellent writer yeah there's like a little speaking of poetic he uh it's when there's he's writing zachariah stern's writing this letter to his brother again beautiful parchment and he he's writing to his brother and he this quote i wrote down he says uh, he's wrote wrote this to his brother you choose the book and the cassock i took up the silver and the sword you know it just it just flows and feels like a very like all of it is very poetic like that yeah exactly that's what i was saying about the uh, the like the old timey uh the old timey uh letters home where everybody is very poetic that kind of that's what it reminded me of you know where it's like uh just everything that they say is just very pertinent and very uh on point you know 
Yeah, a, a, a dash of Shakespearean, but but more, you can understand it better, right? Like it's, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Forsaith and weeth of the vine, and the and it makes no sense. It's like it does have this rhythm to the way that he lays out the dialogue. Into yeah, you're right, feeling old timey. But that kind of brings us to uh, our review of issue number one. So now we're kind of on to number two, uh, and that's uh, centered with this Zachariah Stern character right from from the get go. So he was the one that saw Mister Elaine. Parafront or whatever it was, uh, you know, suck the blood of this woman and Elaine is now on the run. He's not just uh, letting this vampire go on the run. Well, I love that a little nod to that Elaine tries to say he has like a blood disorder, like he's uh, has an illness that, and she's trying to be normal with uh, sleeping all day and, you know, <laughs> going out at night and, and they kind of buy it on this ship. But uh, Zachariah Stern is hot on the trail. He's a monster hunter. What did you think of him? I like him. Uh, he's he's the one fellow front and center on the cover, and it kind of makes it makes a lot more sense um, after you read this issue. It, it all kind of falls into place. And as a character, I really uh, I like his grit and his uh, you know his determination and just uh, like everything you want out of a a really like hardcore Van Helsing type character, you know. Yeah, that's well said, Van Helsing. I just love the character. He is like a like a man that's like trying to be faithful, but he's lost his faith. And the way he's trying to like earn his way back into the heavenly gates is by chasing and killing demons and monsters, right? That roam the earth. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, and I love that design. And he's a, you know, he's a he's a sort of um, he's he's kind of a man that's that's beaten down, but is trying to earn his way, you know, back to the good graces of of you know his lord. And uh, I also dig on another note of that character uh, is that we get this taste of like the political drama aspect of these savage shores, right? We get the um, the two families, the two royal houses in India, one that's run by uh, the young boy prince, you know, Prince Ali, um, Ali of Babwa, and, uh, <laughs> and and the other, the the warmonger new that's turned king. What did you think of that 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 those two Indian houses that are at each other's uh, throats? You know, I'm not, I'm not a hundred percent how to feel yet, but I do know that I like the younger, uh, the younger prince better. You do? <laughs> yeah, kind of. I'm, I'm on the other side. I like a. It's kind of like the gladiator king now. The other side of it, right? He right, fought. That... He fought, and with with the wars and the armies, and he just won the his kingship that way. Like earned it, you know. Yeah, but I always feel bad for those poor kids that are thrusted into uh, leadership roles, you know. And I always, I always want to see him do good because I'm like, you can do a kid. <laughs> <laughs> well, he does have the sidekick, uh, Bishan, the crazy demon, uh, the main-ish sort of character of this, right? So. Yeah, exactly, and that—that's actually another reason why I kind of want um, rooting for him because I like that character, and I kind of I want to see where he's going with that character. All right. Uh, I'm- I'm team. Uh, I'm team warmonger then, and your team. Your team, <laughs> Prince Ali. <laughs> uh, I think the shirts come in next week. So <laughs> nice. Well, we'll have to see how that lays out as uh, the Savage Shores goes on, and we'll uh, you know we'll pick sides. Maybe we'll we'll place a little wager between us and see which Indian house wins there. But I love that that political tension. You know that uh, the warmonger king is like oh, this brat kid uh, needs to go so I can rule the land completely. And the kid is kind of uh, oblivious now to that Indian family at this point. He doesn't really know that they're conspiring against him. Yeah, I don't think he really knows a yeah. lot. I mean, he knows that 
he knows that things get crazy at night. He knows that there are guys like his buddy that are just kind of like demony things. Like he does know things, but he's very kiddish still, which yep. I, I really appreciate that. You know, that's again, that goes to Ram and the way that he writes. He writes yeah. the character, you know, it's, it's done very well. What a super team. It feels like a super team, right? Ram V yeah. and, and the uh, Sumit Kumar. They, they just feel like they've got that synergy working together, right? Yeah, definitely. And and actually, now that we're talking about uh, we're talking about all this, I think we should probably give a little something to Vit- Vittorio Estone, the colorist. Yes. Oh my because, goodness. Because oh yeah, are these colors not amazing? Uh, Eisner worthy, I think. Whatever you want to give uh, the awards to this colorist. Uh, such attention yeah. to light, and like I said, everything looks like it has natural lighting with candlelight and moonlight and sunlight, and it just feels warm and real. Yeah, and the um, the like you were saying about the natural lighting, where you're in the jungle and you're kind of covered and you're covered in the jungle canopy, so it's a little bit darker. Yes. Whereas you're out in the open and the sun's shining, they're sweating. Like all this stuff is just oh, it's just gorgeous, just yeah. gorgeous. And all the purple at night, uh, it, you know, they're really showing the dark blues and purples at night. It's just a, a wonderful, colorful world you want to live in. You know, it has a Indiana Jones feel there too, right? With a lot of the Indian buildings and the colors and the and the jungles. It's just uh, so many nods to everything that you love. And uh, Ian, thank you so much for uh, steering uh, the me, the ship, over to looking at these savage shores it's it's a phenomenal amazing comic book that everyone must read immediately yeah go out and get this because uh, trust me you will not be disappointed at all at all these savage shores vault comics uh, issue number one and two are our top picks of the week it's from vault comics again written by ram v illustrated by sumit kumar our artist winner and cover artist winner of the week and colored by vittorio astone these savage shores tell the people ian get it yeah absolutely go out right now right, right now this second put the iphone down and go yeah. <laughs> well man be, it was great but um <laughs> yeah well there you go that's uh those are our new comic book recommendations this week for new comic book day november 28th let me lock the vault door please go to a local comic book shop and buy these immediately right ian yeah, please. Local comic book shops, they really, really need us. They, you know, thrive on the comic book fan. They uh, go buy your toys from them, buy whatever the whatever they're peddling, go buy it from them. Yes, pick up the peddlements. Yeah. Uh, if, you, <laughs> if you have any questions, comments, or you want a personal comic book recommendation, email us directly. I'm Chris at sunspotscomics.com or Ian. Uh, E-B-O-M-B-S at Gmail. E-bombs. And to see the Sunspots Comics universe encapsulated in one place with all of our favorite picks of the week since May of 2015, go to sunspotscomics.com. Click on the pull list to see the just updated 101 comic book titles that I'm currently reading. What's yours up to, Ian? You in the one something? Yeah, 110, I think, something like that. I'm, I'm up there. We read a lot of comics. Also, click on the top comic books of the week if you want to see all the past top comic book picks. They're all there on sunspotscomics.com. I update the site every week. I'm very proud of it. Please go check it out. And also sign up for our newsletter at sunspotscomics.com contact. And hey, do you want some free comic books? 
well from time to time as a thank you to you, the listener. We give away some free Marvel digital comic book codes in Sunspots Comics Podcast, and there's still some that are unclaimed and available. Just listen to past Sunspots Comics Podcasts that are on our feed. Grab the Marvel digital comic book code that I usually read towards the beginning of each podcast. Go to marvel.com slash redeem and punch in the code to see if you won. It's that easy. There's a bunch still there. Go get them. Good luck. And also thank you to our sponsor, Cryptid Zoo. My buddy Julian makes these handmade, awesome, augmented reality t-shirts that are based on cryptozoology. You just use the HP Reveal app and your smartphone, and every Cryptid Zoo t-shirt comes to life. You gotta see this. Most importantly, go to cryptozoo.com and use the promotional code SUNSPOTSCOMICS to get 25% off your order. That's cryptidzoo.com. And please tune in next week for issue number 186 of the Sunspots Comics Podcast, where I'll be reading 14 new comics on my pull list for New Comic Book Day, December 5th. How many new comics do you have on your pull list for December 5th, Ian? Oh, man, I got like 25 right now. (laughs) 25? Wow, I got 14, and there's also 8 new number ones, so potentially 22. Do you you know how many number ones, roughly, you got for next week? Yeah, I think I have uh, 5 or 6. Yeah, it's a lot of yeah. new number ones for next week for yeah, December fifth. A, a ton. lot coming so, out of image. Yeah, a lot of image stuff. But don't worry, folks. We're gonna read them all, and we're only gonna tell you about the best ones, the great ones, so you can save some time and save some money. That's what it's all about. Please help us out by telling a nerdy loved one to check out the Sunspots Comics podcast. Then go over to iTunes, give us five stars and a few positive words and it really helps us if you do that i'll actually give you a shout out on a future podcast and mail you a comic book prize pack as just a small token of my appreciation and by the way every link every website and everything that you that ian and i discuss on this podcast are on the very in-depth podcast notes so just click on that and check it out there's links to everything so uh, let's wrap it up ian thank you to the folks thank you to everyone for listening and thank you. Uh, we really hope you enjoyed it. Ian, on a scale of like 1 to 5,000, where would you rate your level of fun on this podcast? Go. Uh, 10. 10,000. 10, easily. Whoa. I have more than enough fun for two people. We just crashed through the scale, man. Thanks. 10,000. Woo! <laughs> thank you for that, man. But uh, now go and spend some quality time with the ones you love by reading some comic books together. Be water, my friends. And last, of course, close the show out and say our catchphrase, Ian. To be continued. Uh, to be continued. Thanks, guys. Take care. End of the line. This is our time to shine. Delicious has got to shine. If you're looking for where your love is shared the same For the stories where the hero saves the girl somehow Where love no further friends, the adventure never ends We will save the world somehow In Sunspots Comics now Spider-Man Bonjour, partner Tell me a joke What does the most annoying pepper do? I don't know. It gets jalapeno face. Oh, come on. That pun is red hot.